Welcome to the latest episode of the Bonkers.ie podcast, the monthly show where we discuss some of the biggest personal finance stories of the past few weeks. We'll have comment, analysis, debate, as well as interviews with guest experts and the odd competition too. And of course, we'll always be looking for ways to save you money on your household bills. Last month, Electric Ireland and retrofit experts Tipperary Energy Agency announced a new joint venture called Electric Ireland Superhomes, which aims to deliver up to 35,000 home retrofits over the coming years. Home retrofits are, of course, all the talk these days as Ireland seeks to meet its lofty climate targets. Under the government's Climate Action Plan, 500,000 deep retrofits are envisaged by 2030, which will require a rapid scaling up in retrofit activity. I'm Dara Cassidy, the Head of Communications here at Bonkers.ie, and today I'm joined by guest expert David Flannery, a retrofit advisor with Superhomes, to discuss everything you need to know about carrying out a retrofit in your home. David, thanks for joining us. Welcome to the show. Oh, you're very welcome. Nice to be here, Dara. Um, okay, so let's just get, get, get into it, but, but maybe go to, to the basics. What exactly do we mean by retrofitting? Well, we mean by retrofitting, we mean the substantial uh, upgrade of a home through a combination of measures. Now, in many uh, occasions, that's going to mean uh, an overhaul. It's, uh, it might even mean a transformation from uh, an energy system which is leaky, which is inefficient, which a house may be cold, areas of the house may be cold, and it's about transforming that into a system that actually works. And we don't often think about a home as a, a system, but it's precisely what it is. We generate heat, we try to keep it in the house as much as possible, and we have ventilation as well, which you know, the house needs to breathe. So when you combine that, those elements um, uh, through a, a design, a retrofit design that takes all of those into account uh, for a, an energy system within the house that works together, then you're talking about a, a retrofit or a deep retrofit that, that works. Um, the non-energy benefits are include um, warmth, comfort, uh, and a healthy airflow throughout the house as well. So, so you mentioned there deep retrofit. So you hear kind of the terms deep retrofit, shallow retrofit, bandied about a bit. What, what do we mean by those? Well, I suppose we're more familiar with shallow retrofit in Ireland. Historically, there has been uh, the predominant energy upgrade route that people have chosen. And examples of that would include um, pumping your cavity, uh, upgrading your attic from 100 mil or 50 mil up to 300 mil, which is a standard now. It might mean upgrading your oil or gas boiler to a condensing oil or gas boiler, or uh, energy or heating control so you can heat your water separately or upstairs and downstairs separately. And traditionally, that's what we mean by um, uh, by a shallow retrofit. Now, deep retrofit goes a little bit further, and in many cases goes a lot further. Uh, in the way that it, it, it's about a re fundamental redesign of the heating system. So we're not talking about incremental improvements, we're talking about dramatic improvements in terms okay. of the house performance, but also in terms of the bills and the carbon production then as well. So we're talking about two entirely different things in many ways. Um, I'd often classify it as a once in a generation change to the house in terms of the energy. And it's about getting everything right at the same time and thinking about how things work together and designing a house uh, designing your energy system for the house and how you use it uh, and that's the significant difference so in order we're moving away from the shallow retrofit model into the deep retrofit model and this really kicked off in 2017 uh, electric garden super homes we've been doing this since 2015 so we've 
we've kind of pioneered that model and we have refined it into something that works but it is bespoke okay. deep retrofit is bespoke for each house and a different solution will be tailored for that house uh, because I suppose over time each house is going to change so I can give the typical example of a 1970s or 1980s um, uh, estate in Ireland we're all familiar with it, the explosion of houses in around that time so but even in those estates you'll find that over that period of time none of those houses will be the same some will have an extension some will have converted or attic many people would have upgraded their windows some may have not have done so in 20 years uh, others will have uh, changed their energy or the system their, their boiler may be upgraded and others may not so even within that estate that was once uniform and once the very same now at this stage mm -hmm. you need a, a separate design for each of those homes in a way that works for the house uh, where it currently is and in your opinion are irish homes poorly insulated um are, are you know, are, are irish homes in general badly in need of a retrofit or how do we compare it to our european neighbors well i think i don't think in ireland we believed in insulation until somewhere around the <laughs> mid-1990s or a bit later and even then it was treated with a little bit of suspicion or something that they did somewhere else you know, so we're very familiar with houses with no insulation yeah. going back and we've all grown up you know getting dressed by the beside the super sarah right it's an, an enduring memory for most of us uh so traditionally very bad you know i suppose we have different climate to a lot of other countries that may not need uh, as much insulation or, or hotter countries and certainly colder countries where there's more extremes of weather uh, variants uh, in Sweden and uh, Scandinavia for instance will have a, a history of insulation which is far advanced to Ireland. In fairness we have improved a lot in terms of the shallow retrofit over the last few years um, uh, inspired by uh, SEAI a better energy home scheme and, and so on so there has been a lot of upgrades and was a 40 percent of homes in ireland now would have a BUR associated with on the back of an energy upgrade so there has been a lot of work done on that. i mean mm -hmm. we certainly realize in ireland now um and, and just to distinguish we're talking about retrofit here so we're talking about doing up older houses because we got the when we're talking about new houses we're talking about you know standards that have improved yes considerably over yeah. the last few years uh, and not just the standards that we aim for but the way that they're enforced and and, and again the the, the the quality of the work that goes into it has improved as well so it actually works not just on paper but it actually works in practice then as well. And just quickly, how in general can someone tell if, if, if they live in a, a poorly insulated home or, or if they need a retrofit? Are there any kind of telltale signs? Obviously, somebody can get a pay for someone to get a come out and give them a, a, a BUR rating or building energy rating. Um, but, you know, is there any kind of quick ways for people to know? Well, I would always start off in the base. So I talk to a lot of people about their homes. I have done it for 15 or 20 years. This is, I suppose, this is the area I've always worked in. And I've actually learned an awful lot through myself, myself over that period. So my first reference point is the experience of the homeowner themselves, because they know their home inside out. So they can tell you exactly, as we all can, what part of the house is cold, what the bills are like. You'll often hear feedback such as, well, the heating works, but as soon as I turn it off, 20 minutes later, it's cold. I know that feeling. Or, or it's drafty, you know, and, and again, this is where you start off. So, you know, you, you listen uh, and you'll find uh, that we know an awful lot about our homes. Now, when it comes to the fix, that's a different matter, okay, because where do you start? Uh, and of course, uh, if somebody who, who, who's involved in windows will, would explain to that windows is the best way forward. Likewise, somebody who serves a boiler might, might tell you an improvement of the boiler, so forth and so on. So you're going to hear a multitude of voices advising you on what to do so um, maybe as an example um, about how these things generally tend to merge together or are not so easy to distinguish or to find the best pathway uh, I would have visited a lot of homes over the years and 
up the bit a few years ago before I was involved in deep retrofit you'd often find when you when you when you talk to people in the home and you enter the home is that they will point out their box bedroom is the coldest part of the house in the coldest room there's nothing they can do about it it's going to be cold no matter what uh, they put in bigger radiators they've insulated those walls into the cold uh, and over time I discovered I suppose that the box bedroom is the room that's right over the hallway mm-hmm. okay it has no insulation underneath it uh, and what you have then you've got most cases then you've got an old door but you could almost put your finger through the gaps at the side so you've got a breeze coming through there and invariably nine times out of ten the smallest radiator in the house is the one that's in the hall so you've got all of this cold air coming in to the biggest volume of space and it's going straight up to the box bedroom and it takes a while to figure that out you know that maybe it's the door you know maybe it's the radiator size below maybe it isn't that room itself and this is where the the fix comes in you know it's where, where if you get good and partial advice uh that takes the, the takes the house takes the features of the house the character house into consideration then you will come up with a retrofit plan uh, should be cost effective um should be sensible and should address the issues within the house in a way that puts together a solution which is uh, okay. which is the right one which is appropriate Okay, so David, let's now get into the meat and bones. So let's talk about all the different improvements that people can make to our home to make it more energy efficient. Uh, so probably we'll start off with solar panels, a thing that a lot of people probably see on the roofs of homes throughout the country. Uh, let's talk about those. Uh, yeah, no, I, I might just qualify a little bit at the start to say that we would always look at the house in totality, you know, every element of the house to identify those areas which can show the most signs of improvement when you get the best bang for your book and, and, and it's best to examine the house in, in its fullness uh, and then move on to the single measures but in terms of the single measures uh, solar panels are very effective at producing hot water and we're, 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 uh, solar thermal is what we're used to in this country now things are moving away a little bit from that to solar photovoltaic which i'll discuss in a moment but okay. solar thermal is going to provide you with a lot of cheap hot water more so at certain times of the year than others for obvious reasons uh, so you have to be able to use that water. Your, your return on investment is going to depend on how you use that water. So you can produce a lot of hot water, but if you don't use it, let's say, for instance, you, you keep your electric shower, then you're, you're kind of doubling up in your costs and you're not availing the savings that you would get. So again, you need a bigger cylinder, you need uh, showers to run from it, and it's going to suit, uh, it's going to suit family, larger families rather compared to smaller families. The simple fact is that they're going to save, they're going to save on the production of hot water that they would otherwise need to pay for. And where do, do the panels always, maybe this is a stupid question, but does the panel always have to go on the roof of the house or you know, is there a certain planning law that, that requires that you, that, that you put it somewhere? No, you can, you, can, you can choose where to put it. I suppose the basic principle in these matters is that, is that the more you do it in line with convention, the cheaper it's going to be. You know, you've less pipe work and so on. The obvious place is the roof. You okay. know, if, you have a, if you have a good aspect, you know, the southern aspect obviously is going to be the best, but you can still do it on a on an east to west axis and you can split the solar panels into two to get morning and, and evening sun. But you can have ground mounted ones or you can have it on top of your shed. You know, there, I, there isn't any significant planning issues to doing it that way. But you, you, have, you have more pipe work and you, you have a bit more travel and a bit more distribution losses in terms of the heat. And I suppose when it comes to solar panels, the first thing that people think, it's Ireland. It's not the land of the rising sun. We're not in the Mediterranean. Do they work here? Is there enough sun for it to actually work? Well, it's, I suppose it's not a binary, right? So we're, we're talking about things that work to a particular effectiveness you know so it's not going to be as effective or as efficient as uh, Spain for example but it's going to be sufficient to justify the return on investment or at least that's the question one must ask based on the cost uh, and what, what would be the cost so what if you were to get in these thermal panels let's say to heat your water what would be the cost and what would usually be the savings well there's two options for people I suppose you know 
as I mentioned, I think the, the, the most compatible, we'll talk about heat pumps uh, later, but the most compatible, I suppose, with, with a heat pump would be solar voltaic. And the difference there is that rather than, rather than the sunlight producing hot water, it's producing electricity, which feeds into your meter box. And you, can, you, and you can use that for anything that's running at that time, your fridge or whatever. It, it contributes to your electricity load uh, and, and it saves you money, uh, regardless of whether you're using hot water or not. So the cost of a system of PV or solar thermal is going to run you somewhere from two and a half to, to five thousand, depending on the size. Okay. But you're also talking about an increase of the, the cylinder and so on, which, which is part of that costings. The return on investment will depend to the extent that you use the hot water for solar thermal. For PV, you're going to be talking 200 to 250 euros per year in savings, which with grant is going to, it's going to work out somewhere in the region of between 12 and 15 years as a payback. Thereafter, okay. what you produce is, is free to you. So, so, so the panels then to produce hot water, are they different then to the panels that can produce electricity? Because some people might think that there's one, you know, it, it's a catch-all, you put some panels on your roof and everything is done. So they're different. Is that what you're saying? They are in appearances that are very same. You won't notice the difference. Yeah. Uh, but whereas one converts sunlight in, into warm water, um, uh, what, what the other, the PV, is going to convert it into into electrical energy. Okay, and can you, and then so to, to run your appliances and all around the home. I, it, exactly yeah. for what, for whatever you're using in the house at that particular time. Now you can uh, you can put in a battery. Yeah. You know, which will store the excess that you're not using if you're not in the house or you're not using what's being produced at the time. An element of it will spill onto the grid if it's not being captured. Uh, there's no feedback cost for that yes. at the, or price for at the moment. But in time, uh, the plan is that you'll have a little line item on your bill which yeah. will have uh, a minus. So you'll actually be returned some money. So uh, that's, that's in the pipeline that's going to happen down the line. So PV has the, the benefit of, of that. And particularly when you're a lot of people now thinking about charging their cars at home as well. Uh, that's something that can contribute towards that. I, and just another question on these though. So can they kind of run, I mean, would you still then need an electricity supplier? Like, or are, are, is the, the thermal panels for the water and the um, electricity enough for everything in, in the home? Would you kind of need a backup supply? Like, would you still have an account with Electric Ireland or, you know, whoever, Energy or SSC Electricity? Well, this, I mean, this is a matter of, uh, I suppose, opinion and, and debate. Uh, there's, there's no there's no fully accepted answer. We would always think that a two kilowatt system or thereabouts, unless you, unless you have your own plans to, to, to go off grid, you know, it's going to be difficult and costly, achievable in certain circumstances. Uh, is that a two kilowatt system at an investment of about five thousand? It's going to be a, it's going to be, type of median type uh, solution that people will choose who, who haven't got maybe larger plans that are going uh, off grid. Okay, okay, uh, and then are there any watchouts for people getting solar panels that maybe they don't think about or that they should think about? Well, quality is key. You know, like everything, uh, good installer, registered through SEAI. These are all. Key factors. Okay, and then of course grants for, for the installation of these as well, isn't there? It, precisely, and you can consult the SEI's uh, website where they've got a very good page on, on what grants people are in. Okay, and then the SEI, of course, is the Sustainable Energy Authority of Ireland. They've lots of information on all the grants that you can get, uh, and there's more information on uh, the Bonkers.ie blog as well. Uh, you referred to it there as well, David, as in heat pumps. So maybe let's talk about them. So, what exactly is a heat pump? What's well, so the basic of a heat pump is that you're trying to extract as much free energy from the air as you possibly can. So maybe a, a good way of understanding it is that a, a conventional oil or gas boiler will have an efficiency, if it's a modern one, will have an efficiency of 90% of thereabouts, which, which sounds great. And mm -hmm. Of course, if you can think of it out of 100, well, well, of course it is. But a, a heat pump will have a performance that's about 300 to 350% efficient. Okay. So 
in other words, for every energy, every unit of energy that you use, you're producing uh, something comparable, three, three, three comparable units in, in heating terms. So, in ex so extracting energy from the air, we might think that's you know crazy. How would you do that? <laughs> How does that work? But it, it does work at minus 15, minus 20 wow. degrees. And we've demonstrated, we put heat bumps in for, for many years. We even looked at the beast in the east when that happened. And we found that, uh, of course, costs went up for the heat pump during that time, but they didn't go up as much uh, as, as a conventional oil and gas boiler was, or it was reasonably similar. So we know that it works in low temperatures. But the key thing to, to, to remember when it comes to a heat pump is that the home needs to be heat pump ready. Okay. So I suppose we, we, we typically understand the heating system as one that uh, you turn it on, the, the rads get very hot, the house warms up quite quickly, uh, you turn them off, the rads cool down, and the house, unless very well insulated, is going to cool down quite quickly also. Whereas a heat pump wants to hum along at a nice even temperature. So it's, it's at its most efficient in around about 21 degrees. Now, uh, it can go to higher temperatures than that. But it'll be working hard to do it and using more electricity in order to get to those temperatures. Mm -hmm. So it wants to work. It wants to work at a, a at a nice even temperature. So you have your thermostat on. Uh, uh, and once you agree within the house that this is the temperature that we like upstairs and downstairs, you can have a different temperature. But then it's not something that you touch after that because you know that your house is going to operate to that level, at that temperature level because it's it's well insulated, it's draft free, um, uh, and it's designed. The house is this, the the energy system in the house is designed for the heat pump. So that's when a heat pump works works very well. So it's a background heat, it's a low temperature mm -hmm. heat, and it just clicks on and off throughout the course of the day, keeping it at the temperature that you set. So what you're saying as well, that you'd need a, a pretty well insulated house to begin with in order to get a heat pump system. So there's no point installing a heat pump system if you have a, a B or F or G. Well, it's like 20 years ago, people would have put in a, a ground source heat pump, a geothermal, and, and found their bills were, were still very high okay. because the house was still badly insulated or, or the, the, not airtight, which is very important as okay. well. Uh, so, so there's there's very strict criteria in place now for, uh, for 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 assessing whether a house is heat pump ready, and essentially that looks at every part of the fabric of your home. So, if your windows, your doors, uh, your wall, your attic, your floor, even so, any of your external parts of your house, and there's a U value associated with each of those things. And when you put that through, which is called the heat loss indicator, you come out with an overall figure for the house. And that overall figure. It was a little bit scientific here, but that overall figure has to be below a certain amount, and each element of your building fabric needs to perform to a minimum standard. So no weak spots. Mm -hmm. And once you achieve that, then you know that your house will uh, be heat pump ready, and the heat pump will work efficiently. Then, and you, your 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 heat loss when it's registered like that is the same for a fifty-year-old house as it is for a modern house. It tells the very same story. So you know it's going to work, or you know it's not going to work. So how people will find out for their own home. Uh, is to get a heat pump technical assessment carried out and that will provide you with a pathway you do measures one to ten or one to five in a more modern home and this is where you get to the standard that you need to do for a heat pump and the last element of that is to install a heat pump and cost around what, what what's the cost well the, the cost associated with a heat pump is often the cost associated with making your home heat pump ready so if you look at a house from 2010 it may not need very much. Um, it, it may need its cavity pumped or the attic upgraded a little bit, its insulation upgraded a little bit, and you might find then your heat pump ready. So then you're talking about a unit cost then for the heat pump, which might be somewhere in the region between 10 and 13,000 on okay. top of the things. There's grant funding there of 3,500 plus a little more for your technical assessment then as well. So 
that's 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 a fairly straightforward cost. Now you get into something more complex or complicated for an older home, particularly one that's not standard. Yeah. You know, so we have an extension to the side or attic conversion and so on. So you might have different elements of retrofit that would need to be carried out. And you could be looking at somewhere between forty and seventy thousand for a house like that. Okay. Uh, so so it does ramp up in cost because the improvements are yeah. Are more are, are more are larger. And then, how much would it usually then cost to run? Like maybe compared to a, an average home that's running on electricity or gas, what are the savings there usually? Well, the the, the savings can be anywhere between thirty and fifty percent, and at the higher end, often if there's a if there's a deep retrofit involved there. Now there is, which makes it more attractive. There is funding in place there this year of up to thirty five percent of the costs. So the government is SEI is incentivizing people to go that extra mile, so to go from to take a, to take your plans from a shallow retrofit up to a deep retrofit. And they will pay a proportion of the difference there as well. So okay. I suppose it's an incentive to to do things um, to best practice. Okay, and then maybe moving on to insulation. So we've touched on this as well. Insulation isn't something that um, older Irish Irish homes were known for. Uh, what what can people do, and how much can it cost, and what what will they save? Yeah. So. We're all subject. We all live in the real world. We're all subject to, to budgets. Okay, so the, the question is always going to be, what can you do that makes the, the best difference um, uh, for the most cost-effective investment that I can make? Uh, and that's going to involve a series of choices. And it's essentially it depends on what your wall type is. Now, when you have a floor that's either concrete, and oftentimes when you've got a suspended floor, it's not something you really want to insulate. And you do, you lose about forty percent of your heat through the floor, so it's not the, it's not the end of the world. So you, you start focusing on the place that makes sense, and. The, the place that makes the most sense is going to be attic insulation. So that's the low hanging fruit. And that's, you know, that's, it's an obvious thing for anyone to do to upgrade that. When you start looking at the wall, you might come up with different wall types. Therefore, you've got different solutions. You've got a hollow block or a solid wall. You've got to go internal or you have to go external. And if you're fortunate to have a cavity wall insulation with enough of a gap, well then pumping that is the, the most cost effective way that you can improve your, your, your wall utilize. And so did you say that 40% of the heat can sometimes go through the floor? Or 14 or 15%. Yeah, okay. It's not as much as we think. Okay, but, but still, uh, you, you always presume it's being lost through the, the attic with the walls. I'd never really thought it's being lost through the floor. Well, it, it's funny, people will, you know, myself included as well, and I've lived in a house that hasn't, um, has been cold. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people think it's through the floor. Yeah. And of course, there is some heat loss through the floor. But I, I suppose it's always for me, it's, it's that your, your feet are touching the floor. Yeah. Your hands aren't touching the walls, and if your hands were touching the walls all day long, you'd, you'd, yeah. you'd be pretty sure that the walls were the cold part. Yeah. So it's our point of contact. But if you warm up the house and you have enough heat getting in there in the first place and you, you retain it, well, then the floors are something costly to, to go near. Course, it's not yeah. something you particularly want to, to do on, a, on an investment. So, so, so you, you, you then look at the walls. Yeah, and are grants available as well for, for insulation? There are for external insulation and internal insulation. There's grants available there for six thousand for detached houses and two and a half thousand for internal for smaller houses. Um, and there is grant funding there for attic insulation there as well. A, a lot of people would have upgraded their attic already, but if they haven't done so, that's that's an obvious place to start. And then maybe just boilers. Um, can we can we talk about them? Um, I, I suppose a lot of people probably have inefficient boilers, and there's uh, small improvements they can make there. Yeah, personally, I would encourage people to look at the the, the to, to look. I suppose over time, we're phasing out next year um, for oil and, and in two thousand and fifteen for gas for new builds. The, the, there won't be any gas boilers put in, so okay. we are making that transformation over to renewable sources. And heat pumps are the most popular, uh, and are tried and trusted now in, in, in that respect. So I, I would 
there, there, are, there are improvements by moving from a, a boiler uh, to a condensing boiler. If it's an old boiler, you might look at 20, 30% savings on that. Uh, and for budget, sometimes this is what people may need to look at. That's, mm. And that's fair enough. But I, I would always urge people to, to, to rule out a deep retrofit okay. first. To have a look at that and see what it, and see what the incentives there are. So a lot of people might be needing to change their window or want to change the windows anyway. You know, so they've got a certain fixed cost that they, they want to spend upgrading a boiler perhaps another mm -hmm. part of that or a door to or, or various other things and they might find that adds up then as well and that may, maybe it starts looking attractive to go for the deep retrofit where there's, where there's better grants there's, there is no grants for uh, for upgrading your boiler anymore it's for heating controls but that's a separate thing altogether so it's, it's not incentivized um, but they're the type of savings that you typically get and then just so we've talked about then solar panels heat pumps insulation is there anything else then that you would look at in terms of a, a deep retrofit when you go into someone's home well, we, I suppose the most mysterious uh, element in terms of providing a solution is often air tightness. Okay. You know, so a lot of people would upgrade their home's insulation, uh, and it makes an improvement, of course it does. But if you have a draft rifling through the house, it's going to undo a lot of the positive work that you've carried out. So, um, so air tightness is crucial. You know, we can measure that through an air tightness test, and that'll vary from seven or eight air changes per hour to the whole way up to thirteen or fourteen air changes per hour. So tackling that is is important. We would always electric garden super homes. We could have certain fundamentals that we would address. Well, we mentioned our fabric, so you have to have decent insulation. But but aside from that, we'd look at heat pump, uh, air tightness. So bringing it to let's say five air changes per hour, which is comparable mm -hmm. to a new home now, so very airtight. And then the last part of that jigsaw. Speak, then would be a ventilation system. So you have an active ventilation system that regulates uh, uh, the airflow through the house. Um, it, it reacts to moisture, so when the moisture builds up, it, it switches on, and, and not when it's when, when moisture is at a, a low. So much more intelligent uh, ventilation system, and it's those three essential measures which make up the fundamentals of our package. So, but, but these are, I suppose, something that much less known about in, in the public, um, and. Um, but, but important to consider in terms of a deep retrofit. Okay. And then if somebody then is thinking of a, a retrofit and to get in touch with Electric Ireland Superhomes, maybe just quickly ex explain the process of what is, you know, maybe stage one, stage two. I'd imagine the initial stage is some type of a, a, an audit in the, in, the, in the home or, or walk around or, you know, to see what needs to be done and what could be improved. Yeah, but what's it, it, my 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 role is one of a uh, retrofit advisor, uh, head of a team of retrofit advisors. We're the, the first point of contact for anyone who's interested in looking at um, uh, retrofitting their home. So we will give some general advice to start off with. Look at the suitability suitability of the home. See if they're eligible for the scheme. I would always venture to someone at ballpark, give them an idea of what the cost would be, just um, just to explain what the type of investment generally is you'll have a look at the house on google maps with the with, 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 with the customer as well and and, and have a have a consultation based on the initial feedback and and uh, a, a general direction but what we're trying to do in electric garden superhomes is create a process for people that what shortens um, shortens the retrofit journey mm -hmm. improves it um uh, where we can solve things along the uh, in advance and we can put together coherent uh and very effective and, and one where the, the customer can have a, a positive interaction with it, so they can, uh, they can choose the type of measures, that, if at all possible, that they would like to, to, to implement, uh, and uh, uh, that it's a positive experience for them as well. So we would guide them through that journey. Um, uh, we would then move on to a survey if everything sounds you know, 
if everything sounds okay and satisfactory with the initial advice and then move on to bringing in a contractor and putting together then the final report that mm-hmm. will contain all the recommended measures, the grants available and, and the costings and, and that report will, will essentially contain a, a retrofit offer. And in general, I know it's like asking how long is a, is a piece of string, but in general, how long, oh, sorry, how, how much would a retrofit cost, a deep retrofit, what, what are people looking at? Um, I, I try to avoid um, the how long is a piece of string, <laughs> even though that is true to an extent that it does depend on the house. So um, a typical house is going to be somewhere in the region of 50,000. Okay. Uh, 50 to 55,000. Somewhere in the region of 15 to 17 grants that are available for that if they hit the standard. So it brings the net cost down to something closer to 35 to 37,000. Now that can vary. It can be less than that for a newer house. Uh, and for an older house or a bigger house, it can be more than that. But I think that's a, probably you know, a, good pe- a good placeholder for, for people to consider the cost. And then in terms of finance options then for, for the rest or for the remaining, you know, maybe 20 or 30 grand that isn't covered by a grant, where do people tend to go? Do you find they go to the credit union or because there's a lot of green loans that are available now, now from the banks and other lenders? Yeah, we're talking about a significant investment. You know, we're talking about a long-term investment, and it's a lot of money, uh, and not everyone has access to it. Now, that's changing in Ireland. Mm-hmm. You know, there is a realisation that there will need to be uh, not just grant support, but there needs to be finance support there for people who want to undertake it, so that they can, you know, they, they can essentially pay back uh, their loan through the savings that they make, or uh, as, as, as much as they can from it. So a lot of people would have been thinking about retrofit for a couple of years and may have made savings for it. Uh, some people may have had, uh, may have get an extra amount in their mortgage so mm-hmm. that they, they can retrofit their home and renovate it. Uh, other people are approaching uh, banks and credit unions the rates are okay yeah. uh, and getting better um, uh, and there's recent news then as well is that there's going to be uh, a guarantee in relation to loans given for retrofit which will drive the cost of uh, that finance package down hopefully somewhere close to that magic figure of three and a half or four percent okay yeah that because yeah because at the moment even some of the best personal loan rates are still anywhere between maybe six and ten percent and because as i said at the start of the podcast the climate action plan aims to deliver um 500,000 deep retrofits by 2030 like it's a huge number and not everyone has that 20 or 30 grand you know so i think that sometimes there's a mismatch between what the government wants people to do and actually what the average household can afford to do yeah and i, I, I suppose it's to consider that this this is still in the same this, this mm-hmm. industry and that supports are still in the same and you know we had the pilot scheme for a couple of years and things were improved but we're, we're, we're getting there slowly and for sure if we're talking six or seven percent we're talking about eating into the savings that you make mm. has to be lower than that conversely i suppose what anyone that with fortune to have deposits that is earning zero percent interest and i might they might consider that good use of the money to put into retrofit yeah well. no, it's funny that you mentioned that i was going to say it as well because we've talked previously on, on bonkers Sally about um the 130 billion or so that's now on deposits with irish banks and lending institutions which is almost the highest on record it's, all, it's earning zero interest, like you said, and a lot of people are wondering, what should I do with my money? Yeah. Of course, you could pull into a pension, you could maybe invest this, but you could actually invest in a retrofit um, as well. Um, I suppose as well that the thing with retrofit, it, it's not maybe the carbon footprint, so it's good for the environment, and um, you can save money maybe over the longer term, but I suppose as well, it's actually about making your home just more comfortable as well. So going into a home that isn't constantly losing heat, um, that you're not kind of constantly shouting at someone to close the window, close the door, stop letting that draft in all right you know it's about just having i suppose a more pleasant living experience as well sure and there's, there's all these elements to consider you know if you lived in a house where you've got the fire on and you know 80 90 percent of it's going up the chimney or you're, or you're, you're going through 
uh, three or four tanks of oil a year, and you know it feels very wasteful. It doesn't feel good, mm. right? For for that to be the case, and uh, the bills, the bills aren't, you know. So, you know, to, 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 the economic case has to be there. So yeah, there has to be a payback period that's acceptable. But, you know, it, it, it isn't the only reason that people would choose to go with a retrofit. They do want a warm house. They don't want to be wasteful. They want to look after the environment so far as they can afford to do so. Of course. Um, and I suppose we call the non-energy benefits then as well. So these things like the, the ventilation system, you know, they, they, they are going to improve the quality of the air. It's going to make it's going to make the house a less mouldy place. It's going to eradicate certain odors and things like that then as well. But it's just your yeah, house is going to feel better, you know. And we are spending much more time in our homes, of course, over yeah. last year uh, <laughs> to lock in than we, than we, than yeah. we ever have. Tell so, me about it. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, I, I know you, uh, electric iron superhomes f- focus more so on the deep and the overall the deep retrofit. So the overall, you know. Um, retrofit as opposed to looking at just one or two measures but if budgets are tight is there any one particular retrofit measure that you think provides particularly good value for money well i think people readily identify the the um the, the low-hanging fruit you know let's say the attic or some wallet so fa- it's, it's always fabric first you know you, you, you need to improve the fabric your home insofar as it's cost effective to do so I think it, 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 perhaps a good way of approaching it would be to look at the the, the pathway to heat pump. You know, so whether you whether the, that's in the short term for a heat pump mm-hmm. or the long term, the sort of the elements that you would tackle in order to make a house heat pump ready are the right things to do for your home anyway. Mm-hmm. And, and perhaps at the end of that, maybe it's five or ten years down the line to put a heat pump down. Once your existing uh, boiler uh, expires. Well, then at least you've made the right choices between now and then in order that your your house is going to be heat pump ready you'll enjoy the benefit of the grant at the time as well so a heat pump technical survey will will explain all of those steps and it'll also explain them in order of priority and okay. the best impact uh, for your book you know carried out by a by by a, by a good technical advisor and you can perhaps then have your pathway to a heat pump based on the the the, the, the more the least cost measures that you can do in, in, in that step by step and if someone has electric heating versus let's say gas fired central heating does that complicate things in any way when they're looking to retrofit their home uh, it doesn't be you're talking about redesigning your heating system anyway so okay. you're talking about upgrading of course you're trying to use what's there you know yeah. but i'm often for a heat pump because we would redesign the heating system which would often involve changing of radiators because you want a system that's designed for your house your upgraded insulated super insulated house uh, and so you want that constant temperature as you walk around from room to room and zone to zone within it. So it, 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 your starting point isn't isn't particularly relevant. It's just a challenge. You know, one, of the, one, of, one of the many challenges in the retrofit, and, and you just deal with that as a when as a when you, it, it's uh, okay. expected. And then, so finally, if people are interested in a retrofit, how can they get in contact with Electric Ireland Superhomes? Well, our, our website superhomes.e contains a lot of information, um, uh, explains a lot more about our process. Uh, some very good general information though on on heat pumps and uh, and various other uh, technologies as well. So there's a there's a uh, an expertise section there. We can find out more about these things as well. Okay, very good. Listen, David, lots of useful information there. Thank you for joining us. A pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to our latest podcast. We hope you found the discussion on retrofitting informative and helpful, especially if you're considering conducting any retrofitting measures in your home anytime soon. If there are any topics you'd like covered in future episodes, you can contact us on our social media channels. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. As always, if you want to save money on your household bills from energy to broadband, banking, and insurance, you can do so by heading over to bonkers.ie.